in every marketing message we've ever consumed, the message essentially is you're not there yet, right? Every marketing message, because they can't tell you you're there and you're perfect and then sell you this product or the service. And so we, we get to recognize that we're in this game of we're not there yet. And so many of our approaches that we've been taught is from the we're not there yet concept. And I'm a huge fan of flipping the game and saying that no, we are already there. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Young is here. Um, I, I had a... Man, what a life-changing experience. A couple of months ago, I was at this um, thing called the Visionary Summit, and I had the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the privilege of hearing Stephen Young speak, and just really like, it's the, one of those fork-in-the-road moments, you know, where you experience, um, you know, some, some knowledge, and just like being in the same room just like changed the game. Um, and I've been just, you know, sort of singing your praises and, and talking about the, the different things that, um, that we learned, you know, at the Visionary Summit. So I was like, I need to have you on my podcast. Um, so Stephen Young, uh, I can't really do uh, an intro justice. So, so go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and then we'll kind of get into uh, all of the stuff that you do and how you change people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Armando. Well, introduction, that's always tough. Um, I, I like to say that my sort of moonshot goal is to help humanity realize that they do have sovereignty over their mind, their body, and their spirit. And so over the last 34 years, I've studied how those three aspects of the self function and have started multiple companies. Currently, I serve as the, the chief alchemist. Uh, for Immortal, uh, the main company that I have, and also for Vividness. Uh, Immortal is more of a, a tech company, and Vividness is more of a service, info product, uh, physical product company. And yeah, I, I lead spiritual missions all over the world, and I've really just learned to choose my reality the way I want it to be in life. And so I'm, I'm here to share you know, how to do that with the world, basically. Amazing. So one of the things that I, I, I remember you speaking of, and, and you can kind of go into detail, sort of about how people compartmentalize their lives. And, and, and you were saying that we shouldn't be doing that. We should be living in harmony. And that's how, we're, that's how we should be approaching life. And not that things are separate, but things are together. So maybe you can go into detail about that. Sure. Yeah. So be, before going into details, I always like to give context first, right? Like I spoke at the Visionary Summit. <clears throat> a lot of things that we will talk about doesn't necessarily mean that the other thing is bad, right? And so in other words, we're about to talk about how to unbox our lives. It doesn't necessarily mean that boxing our lives is bad. What I believe is that we've mastered boxing our lives. And so let's master the other half, right? So that's a very important context. And so essentially the context is simply to switch from balance, right? Where we, there's language that shows of like work-life balance. How do you balance your life? And balance suggests two separate 
things that we adjust the volume and intensity of. Right, so the, the analogy I give is like a piano and a violin. If you were to balance those two, it would be like piano plays for five minutes, violin plays for five minutes. Right, but in harmony, they play together. And so when they harmonize, it's actually even more beautiful music. And so essentially, we can harmonize all of these different aspects of our lives, like our personal life, our relationship, our business, our me time, our family time, all of that you absolutely can just put into one container, like an orchestra versus trying to listen to each uh, instrument separately. And so how do you do that? Yeah, great question. So um, that there's no universal process of simply do this and that happens, right? And so one of the things that I would suggest for any listener or viewer that is wanting to do this is like, hey, this is awesome, but how do you do it? First, you want to see the value of the current boxing. In other words, we're often taught this is a starting point, you get to the end point, you look at your goals only, and you go towards your goals, which is how do I get there? However, we know if that was that simple and that worked, we would all be satisfied, fulfilled, and happy. And as we all know, that's not the case in the world. And so there's some other game that we get to play. And this other game that I'm suggesting is, first thing you do is realize actually the benefit of the current situation. Right? If you're boxing your business, your personal life, your relationships, and your me time, think about what, what is that doing for me? What's the benefit? The reason you want to do that is it anchors in that, um, like the full energetic and a full emotional, intellectual, somatic awareness of your starting point. Right? What's the benefit of it? And oftentimes what's really interesting is when people find the benefit of the current quote-unquote problem or situation, the problem or situation actually automatically dissolves, right? So simply by actually realizing the benefit of the boxing, the boxing starts to unbox itself, right? You actually don't need a mechanism. For some people, you will need a mechanism, right? And so this is a little bit complex. For those of you that are like, okay, so I found the benefit and I'm still living in these boxes, what I would suggest is every one of those boxes is tied to an identity, right? For example, if you identify yourself as an entrepreneur, you're gonna have a business box. If you identify yourself as a dad, you're gonna have a family box, right? If you're gonna identify yourself as a basketball player, you're gonna have like basketball time box. And so one of the best ways to start to dissolve the boxes and harmonize everything is essentially to let go of those identities, right? To dissolve those identities because it's those identities that are actually causing the boxes. And so the next step might be, how do you dissolve those identities, right? And so one of the easiest ways to do it is you write down the benefits of that identity and also the benefits of not being that identity, right? For example, 10 benefits of being an entrepreneur, 10 benefits of not being an entrepreneur, 10 benefits of being a dad, 10 benefits of not being a dad. And again, there are more complex ways, but this is a, a super simple way to start to realize the benefits of both sides of opposites. Like I talked about the, the law of polarity, it's like a sine wave, it starts to cancel itself out, right? So you're just embracing the wave and just canceling itself out. So that's a, a simple process. I love the concept. It's, it's so not the way I've been brought up. And, and I think most people don't really think in these, in these terms, right? Because they're like, yeah. they're always looking for the, uh, the end result, right? And one of the, um, one of the things one of the things that you had us do that really had an impact was um, was imagine myself in the future, far, far future, 
and then writing yeah. for myself uh, now, but with my non-dominant hand. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I'll, I'll give context first, right? And so in every marketing message, and I spoke about this at the summit, in every marketing message we've ever consumed, um, the message essentially is you're not there yet. Right, every marketing message, because they can't tell you you're there and you're perfect and then sell you this product or the service. And so we, we get to recognize that we're in this game of we're not there yet. And so many of our approaches that we've been taught is from the we're not there yet concept. And I'm a huge fan of flipping the game and saying that no, we are already there, right? Just like the previous example, we are already there, meaning what is the current benefit of all the boxes, right? Like love the now versus now sucks, I need to get there. That's basically the, the trap that we get to. It's like the hamster wheel we run. We never chase the, the good enough. We never get the cheese, right? And so that's the context. And so one of the things that I recommend in this process of future visioning and coming back is that you start to start, you start to realize basically that your future self has already achieved everything. It's almost like your future self is already there and, and what is, the, what is the, the advice your future self will give you now? And the reason you write in a non-dominant hand is it tends to access your, the right side of your brain, the more creative, intuitive, the feminine side of your brain. And again, I, I've done this exercise with so many people and here's what you never see written. Um, work harder, achieve more, build a bigger business, earn more money, uh, meet more people, that's, that's not the thing, right? And as you know, based on what you wrote and pure some of the people that shared, it's typically connect more and just be and love and recognize the beauty in the now, right? Because we're accessing this deeper wisdom part of ourselves that knows that right now, no matter how how bad, how awful life is, there actually is a gift in it. And we get to recognize that. You know, I actually just spoke to a friend, uh, all within the last three months, uh, love of his life broke up with him car was uh, broken into, $20,000 cash stolen, his house burnt down. Like, he's basically now homeless. He went from like having all the things to now basically homeless. And when I spoke with him, he studies all this stuff and he just sounded like, he's like, yeah, I'll get through it, no big deal. You know, I'm, I got some gas money, I'm at the gas station now, I'll, I'll make it through, right? And so there is this incredible opportunity for all of us to kind of see the gift in the now and that exercise really just to reaffirm the gift of the now from your future self, basically. How do you stay on that track of thinking that way? Because, you know, like you said, like you're always getting marketed that you're not good enough, yeah. that you're always in need of something, right? Mm -hmm. When you can just sit and just be okay. Like, how do you stay, you know, because I left, I left the, the Visionary Summit, which is another reason why I was like, man, I got to get you back on, on, on the podcast. I want to stay connected, um, you know, because yeah. you do, you get, you get right back in the real world, you know, and then yeah. everything just starts hitting you, you know, how do you stay yeah. in that mindset? Yeah. You know, this totally reminds me of a, a scene in Dr. Strange where, you know, Stephen Strange is asking the infinite one, like, how do you learn all these spells? And she was like, well, how did you learn how to do surgery? And he was like, I just practice and read every day. And she was like, and so my answer would be practice, right? Daily practice, devote, even if it was just five minutes of some type of practice where you just kind of sit down and 
you just recognize the beauty of the now. Now, some people will do like a gratitude practice. That is a subset of this practice, right? There's infinitely more than simply just saying, I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I, I recommend there's infinite practices out there to recognize that you're beautiful and divinely perfect the way you are now. And it's just a daily devotion. You know, one of the things that um, really spoke to me years ago, someone sent me a TED talk. It's this Western Caucasian. He was the first person to go to Tibet and graduate from Tibetan monk school. And he shared his story. It was incredible. But the, the last minute was the, like, the takeaway from him. He said, um, when we do all these good deeds, doesn't matter if you like, open a door for a stranger or like, do some kind of great thing for humanity, uh, we plant these karmic seeds in the ground. But if you don't water those karmic seeds, they never blossom. And he says, how you water those karmic seeds is you, you pat yourself on the back every night. Pick three things that you did and you go, oh my God, I'm so awesome for doing that. Oh, I was so kind. I was so generous. Right? So these types of practices go a long way because they counter the consistent bombardment of the messages of you suck. That's basically marketing. I'm glad you brought that up because um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was like the ego and how you were, how everybody's like, you've got to suppress the ego, you got to kill the ego, and you're like, no, you don't. You know, yeah. like, talk, so talk talk a little bit about that philosophy. Sure. Yeah, I, I always tell people um, you can kill or get rid of the ego if your goal is to live in a forest and never interact with another human again, right? You're just going to like be with nature. In that situation, I can totally see having no ego because you are now completely non-attached to any identity, right? However, if you're going to talk to another human, you're, you're going to want to know your identity, right? Because they're going, to, they're going to talk to you and you're going to have to talk back. And the you that is talking back is somehow going to be tied to an identity for sure. And so I'm a huge fan of instead of suppressing or killing or getting rid of the ego, and the other thing is when you set those intentions, it just strengthens the ego even more because of the law of opposites, right? The law of polarity that we talked about, right? And now I'll give a quick example for the listeners and viewers. Whenever you say, I want to be abundant, you're saying right now I am scarce in scarcity, right? You reinforce scarcity every time you say, I want to be abundant because you wouldn't say, I want to be abundant if you were not in scarcity, right? In other words, you can't go, I want to be hot unless you're cold, right? You got to be on the opposite side. And so as soon as you set the intention of I want to suppress, subdue, let go, kill the ego, you're literally strengthening the ego in that moment, right? And so my, my approach that I recommend is you simply imagine the ego is driving the car and your consciousness is everywhere else. Essentially, what we want really is the ego to be the passenger in a car and let your entire consciousness be the car, drive the car, be the road, be everything. But have the ego be in the passenger seat, right? And so this way, you, you love it, you nourish it, you cherish it, but it is not driving, right? You're not attached to it. It is not making the main decisions, but you are aware that it is there. That is sort of the metaphorical approach that I recommend because... For most people who live in a Western world, it would be very hard to absolutely dissolve the ego. Uh, it'd be one thing, again, if you lived in the Himalayas and you just meditated every day in a cave, you can. I can share those processes, but that's not going to be most people in the Western world. I love that. Is there, so 
your process? Is this a process that you've developed yourself? You've got a book? Like, what, you know, how are you? And maybe you're not taking somebody from A to Z. Maybe you're taking them to just A, right? To just to just B. Is that the process? Like, is this the, is this the goal? Yeah. Um, so, uh, years ago, I used to do coaching. About nine years ago, I used to run masterminds and coach people and coach entrepreneurs to grow their businesses, grow their mindset and all the things. But then about three years into that, I got a very specific message that said, uh, let go of teaching and create containers of teachings. In other words, let go of the student-teacher transactional method and create containers that people go in. And the container, not you, the container is provides the teachings. And so ever since then, I've reorganized every output, I call it, every one of my contributions to be more of containers of teachings. And so that's the context. To answer your question, I actually did write a book in February of this year, but it won't be published until January of 2025. There's some additional stuff I want to put in because I don't want to put out yet another book. When this book comes out, it'll be um, different than any other book out there. It'll be extremely interactive and it will be able to discern where are you in your um, path of discovering and realizing who you are and meet you where you are and provide the ideal content for you, right? And the ideal containers of teaching for you. So I'm designing this book to be very interactive. So it'll, it'll take me a while. And then to answer your question of do I take people from A to Z or to A, really, I don't take people anywhere. I really create these containers that's fitting for them and they go in the container and to discover A through Z themselves. Now, there are a handful of different containers that people can go into. And so in other words, in the, uh, instead of taking people from A to Z, I can say, maybe the best way to put it is, I created a container that will take you from A to F, and a container from H to L, so on and so forth. That is sort of what my approach is, instead of like walking people individually or sequentially, because that takes their sovereignty away, right? Because they might have their own unique path, how dare I tell them how to do it. So I'd rather just create these containers and have them explore and, and do it in a fun way themselves. I love that. Talk to me about this, um, you know, people have, what are, your, what are your thoughts on AI right now? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, so um, AI, just like any other technology, <clears throat> is something humans made to leverage the human's capability, right? That's basically technology, whether it be a wrench or an AI, something a human made that potentiates the human you know, capabilities, basically. Within that context, you know, there's a lot of discussions like, is AI gonna be good or bad? Is it gonna be serving, not serving? Is it gonna like kill all the humans or help all the humans? I just go, it depends on the humans, actually. Right? And so we are underestimating how much power we have. There are discussions of how if you combine AI with quantum computing, it will outcompute humans. Yes, it will be able to outcompute humans. It will be able to calculate things and figure out things um, infinitely more powerful than humans. However, here's what an AI kind of can't do. Humans, and I've seen people do this, right? They wave their hand like this and 30 miles away, a pile of bricks break. I've seen humans touch another human and their cancer cells just disappear. I've seen humans, I have made trees grow, turned lights on and off with energy. There's something else going on beyond 
advanced calculations that humans are capable of, right? Essentially, we are able to affect all matter in time and space, right? And if, if this sounds too out there for people, just go on YouTube and type in the double slit experiment. It will scientifically show you that by us observing matter, we are absolutely influencing all of matter, right? AI isn't doing this. And so I don't think we need to fear AI. I think we get to be very, very of highest discernment of our own morals and integrity. Because if we are honing in on that and having the highest amount of morals and integrity, we will vibrate out and create a reality where that is the case. If we are living in fear, then we will vibrate out situations of fear. And so that would be my take on AI, is that it is yet just another thing that exponentiates humans. However, humans trump AI all day because AI is not affecting all of time and space and matter we are. Um, so do you think that the majority of the, I guess, the thought process is going to become like the, the thought process, right? Like, I mean, if most people are living in fear, is that, is that how we're all gonna be moving forward just because the majority is feeling that way? Great question, no. So David Hawkins, uh, who has written many books like Power Versus Force, Letting Go, and so on and so forth, he has scientifically tested using muscle testing that's been validated that, um, for example, one person that is living in a state and feeling and vibrating the state of love and unconditional love will offset 400,000 people that are living in a state of fear. In other words, one person who's living in that state automatically will bring 400,000 people's vibration out of fear to courage, right? And so to answer your question, it actually doesn't take that many people uh, roughly 144,000 people who are embodying love will raise entire humanity's consciousness out of fear into courage. How? Um, yeah. So if you, you or any listener can just type in map of consciousness and you will see this scale, right? There's these numbers like, you know, guilt is 30 or shame is 30, guilt is 40, uh, desire is 125, courage is 200. You know, reason is 400, love is 600, 700, so on and so forth. These numbers are not numbers of frequency. It's not like 10, 30 hertz, 600 hertz. These numbers equate to the amount of energy that we are broadcasting into all of reality. And those numbers are logarithmic, right? In other words, to go from 30 to 31, that's a tenfold increase, right? And so, for example, for someone to go from desire, which is 125, to courage, which is 200, that's 75 additional zeros amount of energy. It's a, a, a lot more energy, right? And to go from desire, which is 125, and the reason I keep picking on desire is our entire world is running on desire, right? Again, marketing, you want this. Desire is interesting. It's 125, which is below 200. 200 is a very important benchmark in his system because 200 represents the cutoff between truth so 200, 201, everything above is truth. 199 and below exists in the absence of truth, right, in distortion. And so we want to get everyone above 200 as much as possible. And so to answer your question, how? If people, all it takes is 144,000 to devote their time 
effort and attention to doing ancient practices that's been around for tens of thousands of years that are known to fully embody these vibrations, it immediately offsets the entire planet because they are putting out infinitely more energy, right? To go again from desire to love, which is 700, that is uh, 575 more zeros of energy, right? That's a, that's a lot of energy. And that's, that's how we do it. So we don't have to actually reach the entire masses. We really only need to reach 144,000 people and get them to deeply you know, commit to this practice. This is one way. Obviously, you know, about 600,000 people in like knowledge and wisdom can do it, so on and so forth, right? And so, but easiest way is 144,000 of people in the, in the love state. So what do you, how, how do you see the future going? Yeah. Um, so for, before I answer that, I'll give context, right? So in quantum mechanics, we now believe that every possible version and variation of the now is happening. It's just that our attention and our consciousness and our intention is experiencing this version. And the reason I'm giving that context is what most people don't realize, it's very possible that this is happening, which is everyone is actually experiencing their own version of reality, right? Because they have their own consciousness in a way. And so my, that's the context. So to answer your question, I plan on living in a version of the future where absolutely the golden age is here, they, we swing from not enough time, everything scarcity, not enough money, to excess time, excess money, and all the things. But what's really interesting is we're going to also switch from I'm busy, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a cook, I'm a basketball player, I'm a, all these things, to because they don't have to do any of those anymore to earn an income. They're going to be like, who am I? Right. And so in the future, I believe actually one of the greatest most high demand professions are going to be professional meditators, right? These people will be paid to meditate, to contribute vibration and knowledge. And we can even like tech this, right? Like people who opt in for Neuralink, they're going to have like neural implants. They want all the wisdom, but they don't have time. They don't want to meditate. The meditators will meditate, upload the wisdom. And then the people that subscribe to Neuralink will pay a subscription for the wisdom to download it. Right. And so we, we will live in a very interesting time where Money, time, scarcity flips to abundance of those, but what's going to be scarce is who am I? And we're starting to see this, right? Like in the last three, four years, if you talk to a bunch of people, so many people have embarked on this who am I journey in the last three or four years, way more than 10 years ago, because we're on the beginnings of that swing. And so we're heading into a time where all the material and time resources will be massively abundant, but then the wisdom insight is going to be sought out. Right. And so I, I remind people going forward, make sure you're developing the wisdom, insight and intuition and love and connection because intellect is going to be free. Right. AI is going to out intellect us any day. It's the softer skills, that emotional intuition, wisdom side. That's going to be deeply valued in the future. I 100,000 percent agree with that because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm looking at it and I'm like, huh. It's going to give us more time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It like money is just it's going to get it inflated so much that it's just like it's not going to have any more value, right? Then you're going to have a bunch of people out of work because what are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like they have to they they got to do something. Yeah. You know, and they're going to and they're going to be searching for meaning. They're going to be searching for like what 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 do I do now? Yeah. 
how do I do that? So, um, man, that's it's wild. To, uh, it's wild to think about, man. Like I said, you know, when I when I met you, I was just I was blown away. I was just like, man, what what a thought process, what a mindset. That's just not a just not something that you know I, I really think about. And I, I should that spend more spend more of that time practicing. You know, slowing down, meditating really you know trying to live in harmony not you know just going after it all the time even though you know maybe that is it is fun you know what i mean like it is fun going after something you know but like that is the the focus and i love that you talk talk about the duality right like you're the the law of polarity that's what i wanted to, to talk to you about those different uh those different laws right and you were talking about that and maybe it was David Hawkins who was talking about that, but, but kind of maybe go into detail about that. Give the, give the people context. Yeah, yeah. they're called the Hermetic Laws, right? And so um, they're the seven laws that were derived from the Emerald Tablets and some ancient works. And, and the Emerald Tablet was a physical item. This isn't mythology. Just like it was once in a museum, they've tested it. It's green, but it's not emerald. It's it, They can't identify the material, right? So this is not... These seven laws are not based on mythology, it's based on actual things. And in fact, the person that translated these laws into English is Sir Isaac Newton, right? We know Newton's laws, right? So Newton was more than just a physicist, he was an alchemist. And an alchemist, essentially the alchemy is the combination of science and spirituality, right? So a thousand plus years ago, most people study alchemy. It was the harmony of science and spirituality. And eventually they were separated for many reasons, which I won't get into. So these laws, right, were derived from these tablets. And these laws essentially govern all of reality. They govern quantum mechanics, they govern our psychology, they govern everything, right? And I, I love it because instead of trying to memorize a thousand different Facebook memes of how to be like happy and mindful and grateful, these seven laws governs everything, right? I'm a huge fan of simplicity. And so the seven laws I'll go through them very quickly is there's a law of polarity, which just means everything has opposites in a way, hot, cold, day, night, black and white. However, each law, as you get into it, it starts to unlock itself. And if you combine the laws, they can also unlock each other. Unlocking meaning these laws govern our 3D polarity reality. But if you can unlock yourself, you don't exist in polarity anymore. You exist, you exist in unity, unity consciousness. Right, so the law of polarity is a great example. If you use hot and cold, they seem like opposites. But if you go to extreme temperatures of hot and cold, you realize they're actually not opposites. They're just relative temperature. Right, so it starts to dissolve the illusion of opposite. And the other application of the law of polarity is everything that you say and that you intend comes with the opposite. So pay attention. Right, if you want to be taller, it means you're short. If you want to be rich, it means you're poor. If you want to be abundant, it means you're scarce. So be aware of your language and the opposite of the spells that we are incanting into all of reality. That's the law of polarity. The law of rhythm, everything swings back and forth. Most problems in our life come from holding on to the situation that is happening or holding on to a desire that we want. If we simply let the situation or the desire move, the problems basically go away. Another law is the law of mentalism. All things come from thought. So be aware of every thought that you think of and absolutely every, every word that you speak. There's a law of vibration, which means everything in our world is just a bunch of vibrating molecules, right? At the end of the day, we have words like computer, table, me, but we're all the same, protons, neutrons, electrons, photons, really, just vibrating at different frequencies, 
right? So what that means is we're much more connected than we believe we are, okay? And then there's the law of gender, which means, you know, masculine and feminine. And a way to describe masculine is the sun is masculine and the moon is feminine, which means everything has a, a tendency to project and send energy, which is the masculine, and then to receive energy, the moon, right, which is reflecting the sun's rays, is the feminine energy, right? So everything has this masculine and feminine dance to it. There's a law of cause and effect. Nothing happens by chance. Everything is input-output. And then my favorite law, which I always say for last, is the law of correspondence, also known as as above, so below. What this means is your external world, everything you've ever experienced, is a direct reflection of your internal world. Right? And so the language of like, you make me mad doesn't make sense. It's more like, I just observed you. The anger I have in me came up because I observed you. Right? That's a very different reality than you make me mad. The anger in me revealed itself as I observed you. Right? And so it starts to really give us the complete power, embodiment, sovereignty over our reality as we start to embody and apply these laws day to day. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, Steven, thank you so yeah. much for coming on and talking. Um, I could, I, I could listen to you talk all day, man. And uh, and and I will follow where, wherever you're speaking. So um, let let me know and let the listeners know how they can find you and how they can hear some of your stuff. Yeah. So um, my personal website, which is just drsteveyoung.com. So. Um, there's content there. I'm actually in the process. I've committed to filming uh, an hour, at least an hour of content a week and putting on YouTube and some of the social media. So starting like next month, I'm putting all that process together. Um, I'll have a lot more content. So I have a, a YouTube channel. You just look up Steve Young. I'm sure you'll find me. Uh, I'm sure you can find me through the main website. Uh, my website, there'll be a bunch of links there. And I'm, I, I give away a lot of courses. There's a, a Wisdom Words course so people can be aware of their language really just to give to the world the power to basically be sovereign beings and literally not control, but to choose your own reality. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, uh, follow him. It's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely been um, life-changing. Like I said, uh, I, I came back and I was like, guys, uh, I, I, I had my, my team do the uh, non-dominant nice. hand thing and and uh, I'll tell you, ever since, ever since I came back, everything's been a little bit more harmonious. It's yeah. more harmonious, you know. And uh, I definitely want to keep thinking about that, keeping, keep putting that stuff into my life, you know. And if uh, people are listening and they want to find out more, that you guys have to follow him. Uh, good stuff. I'll read your book when it comes out, and uh, definitely be absorbing that content. So yeah. thank you so much. Of course. Cool. And that was Spaghetti on the Wall, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by LaDuke Entertainment for all of your digital marketing needs, social media. We got you. And you can watch Spaghetti on the Wall anywhere where you can find a podcast. You're probably listening to it right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll see you all next week. Bye.